It has been my observation that one of the great failures for many in the Christian life is the failure to go on and be transformed by the renewing of their mind. Since the uh, uh, retail evangelism of Charles Finney in the 19th century, uh, Christianity took on a form of crusade-like evangelism, which was very popular under the ministry of many, even in the 21st century. The most popular, of course, was probably Billy Graham. And the underlying premise of that kind of ministry was that the um, uh, conversion is some kind of a, a... a sale to be closed. There was a dramatic presentation. There was a presentation of a problem with Christ being the solution. And the action that was required was for you to come down, uh, say a prayer, make a decision, sign a card, and somehow, some way, something significant will have happened and your life will be different from there I am. Of course, that's true to a point. It's only, unfortunately, a half-truth. The whole of the New Testament was written not so that people could simply know that they are sinners, say the, sim- the sinner's prayer, and then go on with their life as uh, they would wish. Rather, the whole of the New Testament was written to present Jesus Christ as the answer for the human condition from A to Z, from your first breath as a Christian till uh, uh, till you take your last breath. And the whole of the Christian life can be summed up as being transformed, conformed into the image of Jesus Christ by the renewing of our minds. The second thing that has happened that's a real problem is the emphasis Uh, especially during the 70s, of experience. Experience. We had to have a spiritual experience. Have you been born again? And by that they meant, have you had a experience? Have you received Jesus and had this experience of being born again? Uh, Oftentimes it was certainly legitimate, But many times, too many times, it was simply an emotional response to a rather dramatic uh, presentation of, uh, again, a retail religious um, type of approach. So I want to contribute in some small way to the um, principle, and I want to remind you of the principle that Christians are to be thinking people. In fact, all of the, the, the access that we have to truth begins with our in our intellect. It comes through our intellect. And while it uh, cannot stay there, it begins there. Truth is a rational thing. Biblical truth is rational. It can be understood. It's meant to be understood. And it comes through our intellect into our heart. That's the pathway. But with this newfound um, obsession with experience and mysticism, and uh, especially in the charismatic or hyper-charismatic uh, circles, which has found its way into the more mainstream evangelical world as well, there's a, a lot of emphasis on personal experience. 
Now, here's the paradox. Legitimate biblical experience. Our faith is meant to be existential. But it does begin in changing the way we think. I can't emphasize that enough. Genuine spiritual health begins with a healthy Christian mind. It doesn't begin with a experience, an internal experience, a subjective experience. But as you are able to grasp in your mind, through your intellect, the rational nature of the presentation of the gospel as it's revealed in Scripture, and the person in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and that comes through your intellect, into your heart, so that your, your mind is renewed, your heart is transformed, and your um, character begins to be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. There is indeed an existential uh, reality to that, meaning it, it affects where we live. It is not just a uh, to-do-on-Sunday type of thing. It isn't just a religion's a religious um, uh, aspect of your life that you somehow are able to compartmentalize away from the rest of the parts of your life. No, no, no. It becomes your life. More importantly, better said, Jesus Christ becomes your life. He becomes your way, your truth, and your life in a meaningful, existential way. And so what I want to do is I want to spend some time spending uh walking through the uh, letter of to the Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And I think by doing that, it's just a magnificent letter. And it was a, a very pastoral. It, it, it was written not as systematic theology. It was written not as to simply academics. It wasn't written to seminary professors. It was written to believers to counter the thinking Within Ephesus, Ephesus was a very busy city in the first century. It was a marketplace. It had a very um, vibrant religious community. And there, in fact, it was the center place for idolatry in Asia Minor. Uh, it was the, where the temple of the goddess Artemis was. And there were probably as many as 50 other gods who were worshipped on an ongoing basis there. Um, idolatry, statuary, uh, all the chanting, all the things that go with it, all the religious momentums, mementos, and so on, were always on sale, always on display in the marketplace. And here are these people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ through the preaching of Paul the Apostle, who are now in that environment, who remain in that environment. So Paul is going to be very clear with them pastorally about two things. First of all, what God has done and how we are to respond to what God has done. Let me say that again. Paul wants to be very clear in this letter about two things. First of all, that which God has accomplished in his Son on your behalf. And secondly, what your response to that is to be. Another way to say that, a little more technically, is to say that the first three chapters of Ephesians 
has to do with the indicatives of the Christian life. In other words, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is to be a Christian means this is indicative of you now. This is this is who you are in Jesus Christ. You are in Christ and you have been included with Christ in that which God has accomplished in his son. God's eternal purpose to create a people a new humanity who share and reflect his holiness, his glory, his character in their interpersonal relationships with one another and into creation has been fully realized in the person of Jesus Christ. And so God has raised him up, seated him at his right hand, and everything that humanity uh, is intended to be has been met and fully realized in the person of Jesus Christ. And the glorious news, beloved, is that you and I who are in Christ are in the process of having that fully realized in our lives as well. Now, it is realized, it is accomplished, even now, positionally. It is ours. You will never be more saved than you are right now. You will never be more accepted in the beloved than you are right now. You cannot be more in him than you are right now. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's own son. You are no longer living in the realm of the flesh but in the realm of the Spirit. These are, these are powerful biblical truths that are yours today who belong in Christ. So in this new series on my thoughts on Ephesians, I want to share with you both from uh, the text, uh, from an objective view in the text, what the text is saying to us primarily, most importantly, but I also want to share with you my personal experience with the text and my uh, experience in ministry of using the text, uh, seeing the text used, be used to transform the lives of those to whom I minister. And so I, I hope this will be a very helpful thing to you. I believe it can be. It is the Word of God. Uh, I try to make sure that we are always pointing back to that which God has accomplished in his Son. And how that reality, that new reality, empowers, enables, and transforms our lives in very meaningful, very practical ways, beginning with our most intimate relationships, our spouse, our children, our family. And if you are single, with your family, your parents. We all have parents. We all have grandparents, typically, uh, if they're still alive. And uh, we have extended family, uh, aunts and uncles. So this, this really does apply to everyone. And then, of course, we have our fellowship and relationships within the church. And then, ultimately, our relationship with those around us in the world who are not in Christ. If you are listening to the sound of my voice and you are not in Christ, I hope also that you can hear the hope that is available to you in Jesus Christ. 
and that you will come to trust him by listening to this series for a new life that he bled and died and rose again to purchase for you. It is an accomplished thing. Listen, I want to emphasize as we get started that the Christian life is not about working toward salvation and becoming something we presently are not with the hope of eternal life at the end. That final decree being determined at some future date. That's the way the religious spirit of the world would like us to believe that Christianity is to us, what it is to us. Instead, the Christian message is that God has accomplished our salvation in his Son, and that we who are in Christ are now simply working that out. In other words, the Christian is, be, is someone who is becoming, becoming in ex- experience in, in a very existential, real way, that which they will already are. You're becoming who you already are if you are in Christ. That's the beauty, the glory, the assurance, and the security that you have in your fellowship with the Father and the Son through the Spirit and through the Gospel. So I hope you'll join me on this series, the Thoughts on Ephesians, and uh, I hope you benefit greatly. I hope you listen to it often and share it with others and uh, open your Bible. Be careful to uh, read uh, the letter to the Ephesians several times. I actually uh, timed it the other day. I was able to read through it in 20 minutes. (laughs) And I was a little embarrassed, frankly, by the fact that I think of how many other things during the day or during the week that I spend doing for 20 minutes, and I realize this really could be my priority. And so so I'm going to continue to be reading it as well along with you. I'm going to be um, challenging you to master this letter. There is a great deal of spiritual benefit that comes from taking one letter. You know, we can so uh, um, spend our time uh, looking through so much part, so much of the scripture that we really don't take in and assimilate any of it. It's better to take one letter at a time, I found, and focus. Now, that doesn't mean you can't read other parts of scripture, because you do read it uh, in an expository way. You, you find scripture interpreting scripture. But your primary focus is on this one letter, and I encourage you to do that in the coming days, weeks, and months. Take the letter to the Ephesians. Get to know it thoroughly. Master it. Understand it. Memorize it. But most importantly, let it sink way down deep into your soul and let the power of the Spirit transform you through His Word. Amen.